I'm Kieran. And I'm Eve. This is Kitchen Table Cult. We're two quiverful escapees talk about our experiences in the cultish underbelly of the religious right. I only got a few chapters in and put the book down for good. This book may have a good storyline, but the sex scenes are more like porn scene. Knowing that romantic novels for women and porn for men have the same effect slash damage, I am angered to see this listed as a Christian book. (laughs) Hi. All right. Hi. Um, Yeah, this is a... Y'all are getting the scoop because, like, this is going to be talked about a ton in, like, five minutes. Mm-hmm. Possibly by the time this episode airs, it will already be in the rounds. So, once upon a time, I was working at Barnes & Noble in Santa Monica. And this woman, I don't remember. I, I want to say she was German, but whatever. She had a European accent. Had this book. And she was checking out with only this book. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. She's like, do you know this book? And I was like, yeah. And she was like, oh, okay. And I was like, why are you buying it? And she's like, I have to for work. And I was like, ooh. And she was like, yeah, I've been hired to help write a screenplay based off of this for a movie. And I was like, don't do it. (laughs) Don't do it. Fast forward almost 10 years. It's a they long did it. time. Yep. We are talking about Redeeming Love by Francine Rivers, now a major motion picture. Come into theaters in person, because that's a thing, on January 21st, 2022. Just in time for its uh, anti choice themes to be you know part of that whole march for life anniversary of roe v wade on the 22nd mm-hmm. they did that on purpose oh yeah that that totally there was coordination so okay <laughs> what's what's with this book story what's it based on this is a smutty book oh my god it's so <laughs> points if you recognize the quote (laughs) but this book is um is christian romance and with emphasis on the christian and the romance i was gonna say (laughs) the romance and then the light on the christian but it's like the metaphors are real heavy so i guess yeah it is it is yeah the best-selling christian romance novel of all time like fire and away hands down the thing that made Waterbrook Multnomah so much money. Mm-hmm. So much money. I'm going to just read primary source material here. Yeah. Hosea 1. The word of the Lord that came to Hosea, son of Beeri, during the reigns of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, and during the reign of Jeroboam, son of Jehoash, king of Israel. When the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the Lord told him, Go. Marry a promiscuous woman and have children with her. For like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. So he married Gomer, daughter of Diblaim, and she conceived and bore him a son. And then the Lord said to Hosea, Call him Jezreel, 
because I will soon punish the house of Jehu for the massacre at Jezreel, and I will put an end to the kingdom of Israel. And that day I will break Israel's bow in the valley of Jezreel. Gomer conceived again and gave birth to a daughter. Then the Lord said to Hosea, call her Lorumaha, which means, I'm budging these names, not loved, for I will no longer show love to Israel, that I should at all forgive them. Yet I will show love to Judah, and I will save them, not by bow, sword, or battle, or horses and horsemen, but I, the Lord their God, will save them. After she had reigned, weaned their daughter's name, Gomer had another son. Then the Lord said, call him Lo-Ami, which means not my people, for you are not my people, and I am not your God. Yet the Israelites will be like the sand on the seashore, which cannot be measured or counted. In the place where it was said to them, you are not my people, they will be called children of the living God. They'll come together. Blah, da, 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 da. So then there's like 14 chapters of poetry where uh, Hosea is going off and preaching this <laughs> um, curse on the nation of Israel. Mm-hmm. Let her remove the adulterous look from her face and the unfaithfulness between her breasts. Otherwise, I will make strip her naked, make her as bare as the day she was born. I will make her like a desert, turn her into a parched land and slay her with thirst. And like, it just gets real graphic real fast. Yeah. And then the Lord said to me, go show your love to your wife again, though she is loved by another man and is an adulteress. Love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes. So I bought her (laughs) for 15 shekels of silver and about some measurements of barley. And I told her, you are to live with me many days. You must not be a prostitute or be intimate with any man. And I will behave the same way toward you. For the Israelites will live many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or sacred stones, without ephod or household gods, and afterwards Israelites will return and seek the Lord their God and David their king. They will come trembling to the Lord and his blessings in the last days. Nothing is more romantic than your marriage being a metaphor for a deity's relationship with its people. Yeah, so then there's more poetry, more poetry, just like so much slut-shaming of the nation of Israel. Uh... And it goes on for many chapters and it goes through all all of the, all of the tribes except for Judah. So, you know, like 11, eight, 10 tribes or whatever. However many. 11. Well. There's 12 tribes, right? Well, yeah, but like Joseph isn't a tribe. Oh, yeah. Uh, Okay. So then it's just like going through why Israel's fucked and how God like is both the person who like saved the baby and raised it as his own. And also like is the husband. It's kind of like this incest thing going on with God in in Israel. It's great. And then you get to chapter 14 and it's basically like, uh, you know, if you return, there's all these promises, mm-hmm. you know, God will give you all these things. Yeah. Yeah. Because everyone loves someone who is, uh, you know, really abusive and lures you back with promises of not being abusive anymore. It's great. Yeah. Uh, uh, 
my apologies to all of you who grew up reading that shit and um, are now traumatized because you got sprung into it cold. Yep. Okay, so that's the that's the story that this book is supposedly based on. Um, Francine Rivers like was quote unquote addicted to romance novels. We'll put a link in the show notes to this article she wrote for Christianity Today a couple years back about it. Kieran is just like <laughs> so it, bad. Man. The <sighs> I'll finish this and then you'll go back to why the quote you picked is important. But the story is like she was a writer. She had several books published, romance novels. Her husband was like, if you had to choose between, you know, writing and me and the kids, you would choose your writing. And she like got hurt by that. And they were, uh, their marriage was on the rocks and it was a whole thing. And then she like becomes a born again Christian and doesn't write for three years. Mm -hmm. And then writes this based off of the book of Hosea because she feels like the Lord was telling her she needed to. And it sold initially as like not an overtly Christian story. She like toned down the Christianity shit and it was Bantam sold it. Anyway, she bought, got the rights back a couple of years later and revamped it to be super Christian and sold it to Waterbrook Multnomah where they have just been busting it out ever since. Mm-hmm. Okay. It was hugely popular. Uh, with people growing up. I didn't read it because it was not my jam, but my mom absolutely devoured it. But uh, interesting. The number of Christian boys who told me it was their favorite book. Oh, my God. Uh, okay. <laughs> Romance novels as porn. Unpack that, please. Okay. So... <laughs> making you suffer so much i'm sorry there's this and okay so there's this concept that we grew up with called emotional purity right Mm. and it's like you know it's like crushes are bad because if you have a crush on someone who you don't marry then you've given a piece of your heart away to that person and that's even if they have no idea even if they have no idea yeah like i literally apologized to my ex-spouse for having a crush when i was 10 because I was like, oh, no, I gave my heart to someone who, like, I'd never told she that was I had just a crush like, on. what? Yeah. <laughs> so it was, yeah. So that's just, like, a very kind of big piece of the purity culture movement that we grew up in was about saving all of your romantic feelings and thoughts for the one person that you would marry. And along with that came not only, like, the war on porn that we've covered multiple times in this podcast, but also like the flip side of that targeted specifically at, at people who were believed to be girls was that, you know, porn is for boys because they're visual, but romance novels is porn for women because it's like story and emotional. And, that's just as bad as, you know, actually looking at porn because 
that's also giving away a piece of your heart or whatever. So this is where I tell you about like how I, the worst thing I did in high school as, as a teenager was to, I had French lessons at the library with a homeschool mom tutoring me. And I would tell my grandma who's driving me to and from to pick me up like 30 minutes after the lesson actually ended. So I could go like stand in the romance novel aisle and like read smut for 30 mm-hmm. minutes before I had to go. <laughs> like how uh, you, I felt so guilty for that for so long. You harlot. I know. I'm just reading about hot Scottish dudes and hot pirates. Oh my God. Eve, how dare you? I was a sex addict, Kieran. <laughs> Truly. Truly. So, okay, so like... It... <sighs> so what's really think... funny about this whole thing <laughs> is so that the the quote that we opened with is a review on christianbook.com, which is like the big... Christianbookdistributors.com. Buy... Yeah. CB... CBD. Yeah. The original CBD. Which is not CBD. the read... Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, it's got a lot of reviews of people who are like, oh, this is such a great book and a great retelling of the biblical story of Jose. And also a bunch of people who like have like our pearl clutching because there is like a little bit of steaminess in the book. Um, it's pretty steamy. It's pretty I steamy. Read it in, I haven't read it in years, but like, but like the thing is all of the sex that ex- is explicit is like rapes. Yeah. And they're like, there's some that's not, but it's, it's like, it's, it's, it's mostly rapes. Yeah. And so in one of the iterations of publishing, there's actually a publisher's note in the book that says, you know, as, uh, you know, as a caution to first time readers, this book deals with these themes. If this book were a movie, it would be rated PG-13. And so that's that's because they got so much flack from people. Yeah, which is, yeah. yeah, from being like, oh, my goodness, there is, like, sex in this book. And, you know, and it's really interesting because the author, Francine, in her, like, coming out letter to Christianity Today about how horrible she was before she found Jesus was like, <laughs> I read romance novels and they were, like, pouring to me. And then she goes in. And right, it's a romance novel. Because in the military, serving in the military. And- right. Yeah. She was getting off. Yeah, which was, you know, terrible because that should only be safe for her husband. And mm-hmm. masturbation, as I'm sure uh, if, you know, you've listened to the show for any amount of time is, is widely regarded in Christian circles is also bad. <laughs> <laughs> Emotional masturbation is also bad. Mm-hmm. And she she is like apologizing for that and that's what what made her stop reading and writing for three years because she was like oh no i was unfaithful by writing these romance novels then she writes a romance novel that's christian and a bunch of christians are like oh my god this is making me emotionally impure so funny full circle the movie is pg-13 yeah uh, yeah yeah (sighs) okay yeah so the (laughs) this book sold so many copies People read it. They were like, it was held up as like an example of like the the dude in this is held up as like the example of like a good husband loving his wife unconditionally. And like the whole like unconditional love shit 
to to win over your partner who is not really wanting to be there is kind of problematic. Yeah. Kind of a dangerous thing to recommend. A bit. Yeah, like just a bit. Like So the whole like you know fetish around suffering for the sake of redemption is really like such a theme that was pushed on us as kids. And this book is like holding up this guy as this long suffering dude. And I think it's really effective in terms of um, not being seen as an abusive relationship because he's the one who's like taking it, if you will. Mm-hmm. Not, I don't know. I, I, I go, I think he's abusive, but like, he's not he's not like the ones quote unquote stepping out and doing yeah things which she doesn't really have a choice in but that's another story but so he being held up as a dude doing that made it easier to flip the script and not see the problem with it i think Mm -hmm. so like being read as a woman like you know just like i'm just gonna love him until he like decides that he really wants to be with me like that's a really easy trap to fall into if you've been raised on this shit yeah i mean the title is redeeming love right yeah yeah well and the whole you know praise for the book is that it's such a good example of like god's love for his people because we keep being so bad and going to all these things and he still loves us and it's also like I really, I really, really, like, I've never read the book. I just remember all the hype around the book. And I really kind of hate it because it's just, it's, it's just this trope of, like, a victim is being abused and shamed and, like, told that the abuse is their fault. And then some literally white savior comes in and is like, oh, let me rescue you from this life that you had. And also, aren't I such a good person for loving you anyway? Like, (laughs) you've done all this bad stuff that you had no choice in, and I still love you. And it's just like, let's try to, one, make someone a victim, shame them about being a victim, and then tell them how worthless they are as a victim. But, oh, look, someone loves them. Like, it's just- And all those things were like, Crimes against me, your loving spouse. When yes. like and you weren't hurt by them at all. Like right. Okay, so let me just like trace out some plot points here. The story opens with the like childhood of our protagonist, who's named later named Angel, but her real name is Sarah. Her given name is Sarah. And it's important. Sarah's little kid. Yeah. <laughs> Sarah's this little kid who's like watching her mom like chase after her bio dad who is this like rich dude who comes and goes and like is like don't call me papa and it's a whole thing and bio dad basically is a married guy who doesn't want to leave his family and mom's a side piece and mom is losing her financial security as side piece because she had the child Mm-hmm. Uh, he pressured her to have an abortion and she refused. And like, this is a formative memory for this kid. 
of like, you were not wanted and you were like, your, but your mother protected you. Let's also take a minute to remind everyone that the setting of this is 1830s. Yeah, this is gold rush. <laughs> yeah. When abortions are totally accessible for people and <laughs> not at all life endangering. Yeah, you totally survive them. Like, no problem. It's yeah. just like getting a tooth pulled. Right. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. So, she like, and then mom does the like itinerant worker shit and gets sick and dies, probably consumption. That's how they always end. And our protagonist is eight years old. And mom, like, the caretaker who takes her on, like, sells her to this man who is looking for basically a new sex sex slave. Mm -hmm. And the guy kills the caretaker to, like, cover his tracks, which I feel is just, like, totally unnecessary. But, like, this book is very extra. So extra. Then, so she's, like, it's very, like, Fifty Shades of Grey, but, like, child, you know, the dude is really rich and he's taking care of her and she's his pet and of course she's actually trapped and totally has no control over anything I guess eventually she she gets away she works as a prostitute she gets to California to get away from him she's working as like a high-end prostitute in San Francisco and this guy Matthew it gets like enters the scene and he like sees her on the street and is like, whoa, babe. And is like, God tells him to go marry her. And I don't, it's been so long since I read this book, but I basically, I guess he like negotiates her contract with her mistress, her madame or whatever. So he get like owns her. And so she has to go with him and like, you know, she's never experienced pleasure during sex and he's a virgin and it's a whole thing and they're fighting all the you time know and also sex. also he's like has a little like homestead in the middle of nowhere so it's very like little house on the prairie like suddenly you were you don't live in the city and like you're super isolated right totally fine no nope. warning signs there nope and i guess she like goes into town for errands or something and maybe she wasn't supposed to be in town and she just wanted to go see people but the guy who originally captured her as a child shows up and runs into her and reek like captures her and eventually like Matthew finds her and rescues her. And it's a whole thing. And, uh, she like falls in love with him because he saved her. And he like, there's a whole big deal about how forgiving and wonderful he is. And he takes her back to the little homestead again I'm I'm sh- I'm alighting a lot of things I know. And then there's like this big moment where she reveals that she like trusts him by telling him her real name. Mm-hmm. And that's like when their marriage becomes real to them, I guess, uh, whatever, whatever that means. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I have a really funny story that's unrelated to that that we'll get to later. Okay. Okay. I'm almost done. Yeah. Um, and, and then the guy who held her captive as a child got her pregnant a couple of times and forced her to have abortions. And like the second time he made, he like told the doctor to like, make sure that she couldn't have kids again. So like it wouldn't be a, an issue going forward. And the doctor did it. So she's all like, I can't have kids, which is again, possible in 1835. 
yeah, you get one and you're done. <laughs> like, <laughs> so then she, after she tells him his name, her name is Sarah. Sarah, get it? Sarah, you see where this is going? Uh, and their marriage is real. Then she gets pregnant and they have live happily ever after and have four kids. Right. Because, again, That's getting that works. sterilized in 1835 <laughs> works works for people who uh, <laughs> were paying you to have sex. And uh, so, yeah, what's your what's your what's your funny unrelated story, dear? Okay, so my funny unrelated story is um, in order for my partner and I to immigrate to Germany, we had to get legally married. So we got legally married, but the thing that uh, officialized our marriage was um my partner showed me her deviant art <laughs> that's when you know it's real that's that that's when is, you know it's real wow <laughs> A sign of serious trust there oh we God. are married so i guess it's okay that's that's really good right <laughs> Yeah, so like uh, it hits on all these notes of like, what is a marriage? Can God tell you things? And so like, this is around the time like this book's popularity was probably like why I had all those boys being like, God told me you were the one. And I was like, oh well, you God. didn't talk to me about it. Have I talked about that on this show before? I think we've mentioned it, but okay. like I, I totally, yeah, that. I was just like, nice. well. Well, if he's really like insistent on it, he will tell me too, and I'll let you know. <laughs> yes, but like that's what we were supposed to accept. Like that was how my parents envisioned courting would go down: is like God would tell some rando dude that like he was meant to marry me, and then my parents would be like, "Oh, mm-hmm. well, I guess if God said so, unbeknownst to me at all, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. it's fine." Right. So, yeah, there's just like all of these layers of very subtle but significant um, cultural ramifications in the world we grew up from this book existing. And I just like the biggest eye roll around it because it's like it passed all the like rules so like Christian women could read it even though like so you felt like you were being rebellious by reading it at all because mm-hmm. it's smutty but like all oh, the sex scenes are basically rapes and so that becomes like that is a thing that they are shaming each other for enjoying and I just there's just so many layers I just can't even yeah I don't know it's, where to start with it it's bad it's not good and it all perpetuates the same kind of like it's the woman's fault that bad things happen to her. Mm-hmm. And men who love women who have had sex ever in their lives or have been raped or have been violated in some way are heroes because these women don't deserve it. And it just yeah. completely reinforces that message to Well, and people. also it also it also like plays into this like false dichotomy around sex work that gets portrayed in this world where it's like, mm-hmm. you know, the this person was an orphan who was sold into 
sex slavery. And this is a thing that Christians really want to believe is super common. And so Mm -hmm. they want to get that salacious up close story about this, which is just gross in my opinion. But then also like when this woman goes back, it's framed as her being willful and like slutty, like, yeah. And okay. She like, there was some agency there, but like you do understand how sex work works, right? Like it's a job. It's not personal buddy, but I know that they believe that their penises are real magical and, and it is personal. So just, there's no point in talking about it. Yeah. Well, and it like, it completely strips away the idea that anyone involved with sex work has agency because it's only ever portrayed as like people who are sold into it as children. Well, also you, if you have agency, you're enjoying it because you are willfully being a slut. Right. Like there's it's, no, it's not about the money or that you need a roof over your head or, or like it's, it's the Madonna whore thing again. It's like you are the like violated infant or you are, you know, just like out there burning it all down for fun. I'm just feeling really scattered because there's just like so much here. There's so much. It's I when I when I heard that this movie was coming out, I was horrified because it's such a terrible story. It's being put out. It's not like the stupid, like, God's Not Dead movies. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not put out by, like, some random niche Christian publishing house that, like, five people see. It's put out by Universal. So it's like, this is mainstream. And it's, and it's, like, I mean, I'm, I know people are smarter than, than this, but, like, it's, from what I've seen, it's kind of being billed as, like, Gold Rush Bridgerton. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's it's this, like, old-timey, like, romance story that everyone loves to see. But more sexy and updated. Right. And it's... Okay. I haven't watched the trailer. Oh, okay. So we we're going to do that, right? Yeah, let's, let's watch the trailer. Okay. I'm just going to start it at zero yep. and... Hit play right now. Told your mother we have a blonde China doll. I love mm-hmm. Child. Mom is real naked. Her mom is dead. She'll be better off here. No, she won't. What's her name? You can call her whatever you want. You'll be my little angel from now. Guy calls her Angel. Angel. She walks in on a period piece orgy where everyone's in corsets. That's how that works. Yeah. You got any plans? Plans? She can't keep me here. You forget where I found you, Missy. We see veiled threats from an old, older woman. I made you a princess. The only girls who leave here are too old, too sick to work. She's running off. I'm gonna kill you. She's sad. She's looking in the mirror. Oh, now there's the music. And like, it's some Adele wannabe. Sexy cowboy. Sexy cowboy sees her and is like, I need to have this person. Like, sexy cowboy has bright blue eyes. I didn't come here for 
There's only sunlight when they're on his farm. She's naked with a quilt around her shoulders on the porch. And she feels bad about herself. She's like, you can't love me. I'm too broken. The song just modulated. Yeah. And then she's a terrible person. <laughs> reasons. And she's screaming. Picking flowers. There's a Bible. There's a shot with the Bible. Let's, let's not forget that. That way is home. All of the lighting with him is like super wholesome. And all of the lighting when she's like a sex worker is very like. Dark things are happening. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Spooky making bad choices. Yeah, so um I forgot about this element is like the very like blonde blue eyes like must protect Mm -hmm. the gorgeous Aryan baby girl Mm -hmm. uh stuff that goes on in this story. Yeah. Yeah, that's like the first sentence of the book is like, I have blonde hair and bright blue eyes. And it's like, well, aren't you special? <laughs> that So as someone with ambiguous skin and dark brown hair and dark brown <laughs> eyes, that kind of shit made me feel bad, actually, because there was never I was never represented in any stories. It was always mm-hmm. the blonde hair, blue eyed people. And in like my homeschool group. Families who had like one blonde haired, blue eyed girl child always favorited that child over mm-hmm. their brunette other children, which always mm-hmm. bothered me. And my yeah. entire family, except for one, are all, you know, brown haired, brown eyed, ambiguous skin. I mean, it's it's Elsie Dinsmore all over again. It really is. Yeah. I don't know if she read Elsie, but like I feel it's just like the overlap is super similar this very like flat passive victim Mm -hmm. heroine heroine who's just like when she's being portrayed as as rebellious it's like a mistake and a misunderstanding by the men who just love her and want to protect her Mm -hmm. yeah and the men are always like lily white with dark brown hair and blue eyes like and just it, like jesus just like jesus yeah which <laughs> jesus looks like my family okay mm-hmm. <laughs> darker mm-hmm. than my family likely actually mm-hmm. but anyway mm-hmm. but it always like bothered me too that like in these kinds of stories the the male protagonist was always like, he saw this beautiful woman and was like, oh, I need her. I need to know her. God has told me that I need to know you. And it's like, she's never met him. He's never met her. Like, there is no. You're thinking with your dick, bro. Yeah. Like, that's not, it's not God telling you that. You're horny. Like, go deal with that in your own time. It's not my problem. That's a you problem. This is why I kept telling those boys. Mm-hmm. I'll wait till God tells me to. 
and then we'll talk about it. Cause it's yeah. just like, what the fuck? Are you serious? Like, no. no. And I forgot. I just, I'm like scrolling through the PDF of the book. Like I forgot that she gave him the last name Hosea. It's like, so on the nose, Michael Hosea is his it's name. It's so on the nose. It's, I was just like, let me rub your face in this shit. <laughs> just in case you weren't aware that this is based off of a Bible story before you go pearl clutching, it's based off of a Bible story. Also, I feel so bad for Gomer. Like she, right. like she gets like, we don't even know if she like actually was even a prostitute or, or someone who slept around. Like, yeah, like it only says promiscuous woman. Like that could mean anything. Well, like we just like have the perception that like. He thought she was a slut. Yes. Yep. And it's obviously whatever he thinks that is the important part here. Yeah, I mean, and then like it's, heroizing it's, himself. It's it's a it's a good look into the monologue of an abusive husband, the internal monologue yes. of an abusive husband. That's what this. That's what this movie and book should be called. That's also the name of this episode, Monologues of an Abusive Husband. Okay, so... <laughs> <laughs> uh, the CBD description of this book, I just looked at it. Yeah. Sold into prostitution in childhood. Angel is a bitter woman who trusts no man. But when God tells Michael Hosea to marry her, she learns to love until fear overwhelms her and she returns to her former life. Can she be redeemed? Can she? Can she? Can she? I mean, it's all her fault, her entire life. She has a lot to, like, you know, repent for. Which Mm -hmm. uh, brings me to the other interesting thing that we found out about Francine What's-Her-Face and her bibliography. Ms. Rivers. (laughs) What about Ms. Rivers? Can she be redeemed? Was she redeemed? She seems to think so. Because her bibliography on Wikipedia is sorted into, like, you know, her Christian books in a normal timeline. And then under that is B.C., which, as we all know from history, means before Christ, not whatever the actual scientific word is. So, yeah, the... um her whoever has edited her wikipedia entry has arranged her her yeah. publications by her conversion mm-hmm. there's two different lumps of them yeah one is bc before christ before conversion whatever and the rest is like her christian yeah. romance novels <laughs> Just- I, I do need to know like it's been so long since i read this book and i refuse to reread it but I do remember I there's definitely some anti-Asian racism in here. I don't remember if there are any black characters, but I do remember there being Asian characters who were definitely portrayed with like super broad stereotypical mm-hmm. stereotypes. Uh, it's not, not a good book and it's not a good story. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not a good movie, I would wager. Didn't look like it. Based on the trailer, I'm not here for it. But you know. Yeah. Yeah. So this is gonna get this is gonna get go around and it's probably gonna flop, but let's make it it's, flop. It's just like portrayed just enough like it's a you know, basic period drama. 
that it could slide under the radar for people who are not familiar with this stuff. Yeah. So tell your friends, don't watch this movie. Do not give her any more money, please. You could, however, without watching the movie, go and rate it on like Rotten Tomatoes or something and give it a zero. Oh, yeah. You could do that. Mm -hmm. Go tank it. Yeah. And whatever other – I don't even know what movie rating sites exist anymore, but like go – Go rate it zero and be like, this, this is terrible. This this book, like, just to get on a more personal level, I'm. it's been so long that I'm thankfully not remembering very specific details. But I do know that I had multiple friends who were in their, like, first serious relationship who, like, were being gaslit and abused by their partners And, like, told me that this book was, like, why they were staying because it could get better because, like, you love someone long enough. Like, it's just, like, Mm -hmm. this was held up as a, like, actual template. Yeah. And. Yeah. Yeah, Like, it's a fiction book. But, you know, I was handed fiction books when I started courting it as, like, a standard I was supposed to be emulating. Like, here, this is how you handle a relationship in the godly way. And like this book, when my mom read it, like all of her advice to people in abusive marriages were also to continue loving their abusive partner because well, it would get like better. Well, tricks with the like, yeah, just be sexually available to your husband and he'll come back to you. Like, it's the same advice. Yeah. <laughs> it's bad advice. Yeah. It's not how that yeah, works. It's, it's just, it's like Francine Rivers is responsible for so many people staying in relationships that they, they should not have been in. Mm-hmm. And I just want to wring our little neck. Yeah. Yeah. Something. If you have a lot of time to kill and a Goodreads account, go mm. downvote all of like, especially this book, but like go downvote <laughs> it. Go and, get your friends and to like, do it. Sh- she has this other trilogy of books. I, I read it when I was really young, so I was too young for them. But, like, this other trilogy of books that are, like, set in, like, a post-apocalyptic Israel. And my mom had them. And it's so Zionist, not Christian Zionist nonsense. Mm-hmm. Just, yeah, she's just regurgitating whatever her pastor's telling her. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I did, like I I interned at this publisher when I was in college and undergrad one summer and so I got this book for free. I'd heard about it. It was my best friend had just started dating someone and she was telling me all about him and I had just finished this novel and was like that's kind of fucked up. And even even then, I was still like in the in it, and I mm-hmm. hook line and sinker, and I recognized that this was problematic. Yeah, and she was like, "Yeah, that's his favorite book." When she like visited me and saw like my pile of arcs on the floor, like red flag. <laughs> that is not if if you know someone <laughs> to, to, his, to his credit, like this guy has come. He's not that person anymore. He's he's a totally different human, but. But at that point, like, I was like, oh, that's interesting. And just read more things, kids. Just read more things. There are other better, more interesting 
more like stimulating books. <laughs> that, um, and you can find better porn if that's what you're looking for. Yeah, it's like, not hard. It's not hard. You can find like Crash Bad. Just go to Crash Bad and subscribe to some of your new favorite artists. Like, yeah. what the fuck? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if, if you have a friend whose favorite book is this book, um, recommend any Email other Email me and I will personally <laughs> give them some recommendations yes. for something else. Because <laughs> I cannot express enough how strongly I feel about this book. It is, it is a horrifying story. And I, I am horrified that it is a movie. Like, really? Like, even my, my mom these, was reading it. Like, no. Some of these actors are me. big names, too. Yeah. Like, these, like, the, the lead who plays Angel was in um, the Sabrina reboot. The guy who plays her first Predator is in Euphoria. Like, these are not, like, they're, like, not... Your biggest name actors. They're not A-listers. But they're not D-listers. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, it has been mainstreamed. So, you know, don't watch it. Tell your friends not to watch it. And uh, go pan it. Yeah. Yeah, go. (laughs) Go review it. Give it zero stars. Please, thank you. That's your 2022 task. This is the first of many things we will ask of you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not wrong. Right. So just housekeeping stuff, y'all. We're going to be probably taking a little break here to obviously recording. Next time you hear from us, Kieran will be living in Germany. Mm-hmm. And I am, I just got hired for a teaching job again. Thank fuck. Uh, so, <laughs> so glad. Gonna, so I'm going to be starting the semester. We're going to just like, take a couple of weeks to just get our feet under us and and then we'll be back on it. But yeah. thought we would give you a little bit to tide you over. And I am forcing Kieran to watch uh, Encanto and. Oh, I've seen it. I've seen Encanto. Okay, good. Oh my God. We're going to record on that at some point. Soon. Louisa just was like a. Mm. And, knife. and yellow jackets, yellow jackets is is a fucking quiverful survival story. Uh, I will f- fight tooth and nail to defend that thesis yeah. and more later. Yeah. Yeah. We'll talk about that after I've seen more than the pilot. Good stuff is going to come. Hang on for a couple weeks while I figure out how to move myself and my cats to another country and nine hours of time difference. <laughs> We're going to have an adventure here. It's going to be, it's going to be a thing. Uh, if you want to get the inside scoop on that, I'll be in Slack. Listen to the end bit of this episode for how to be part of Slack, and we will see you. And we have new merch. Go check it oh, out yeah, on T Public. Yeah. Okay. All, all right. Love y'all. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to the Kitchen Table Cult podcast. Our music is from the track Janet by the Bend the Heavens on their album Stenazzo. Our producer is Dave the Great. Our podcast is made possible by Patreon donations from listeners like you. To support us and join our community on Slack, check out patreon.com slash kitchen table cult pod. Thanks for listening.